You're listening to the Clear Creek Resources Podcast from Clear Creek Community Church, located in the Bay Area of Houston. Welcome everyone to the Clear Creek Resources Podcast. I'm Rachel. Thanks for joining today. So we've been in a message series called Table Talk here at Clear Creek, when faith meets food. But for many people, our relationship with food can be a little bit more complicated. So on this episode, we get to hear a conversation that Ryan Leighton had with his wife, Lindsay. She's a licensed counselor, and they discuss body image, diet culture, and the gospel. Let's listen. All right, Lindsay, welcome to the podcast today. Thank you very much. All right, so before we jump in, <laughs> uh, I'll give people an idea of who you are. So in addition to being my wife, uh, tell us about yourself. Well, yes, that's correct. I am your wife. Of almost 16 of years. almost 16 years. Glad you, you got that right. Yeah. Um, you usually keep track more than I do. Um, yes, and we have three children, 11, 9, and 7, right? Uh, right, yes, okay. almost 11. But almost yes. 11, yeah, yes. this week. Um, and I am a professional counselor, a licensed social worker. Um, and I work a lot with teenagers um, and young adults. It's kind of my where I hone in on. And what else? Uh, so yeah, so when we're talking today about body image and food and mm-hmm. maybe talk a little bit about your background and your passion for, for that topic. Well, um, I, I would say I am passionate for two reasons. Um, one is my own personal experience with uh, body image and um, I would say just kind of my own journey of, of healing from um, kind of what our culture has made it. And then also just professionally working with a lot of, um, particularly adolescents and young women um, and men too, that um, I it is very rare for me not to hear that that is a struggle with a, with a client that I that I'm seeing. And so it's just so embedded in our culture, and I so badly want to see um, it uh, just see our see our our culture make a, a change with that. Um, because of how it affects lives. Yeah. And I, I see that on a daily basis. Yeah, absolutely. Well, and I mm-hmm. think, uh, you know, when we're doing this series called Table Talk and we're talking about where faith meets food. And so when we have conversations about food and all the, the good things that poop, food provides for us, um, how it can help us worship God and all these, all these mm-hmm. good things, uh, within our own hearts, we can twist that. And so food for, for many people within our culture, it gets attached to body image and all those different things. And so thought mm-hmm. it would be good for us to have a conversation about the, the dark side, I guess, to, to food and, and how, how our hearts can somehow twist those things into not so mm-hmm. good things. Uh, but yet the food itself can still remain good. And so um, right. as we begin some of this discussion, it might be helpful for us to even begin by talking about how body image is looked upon within our, our culture today. So mm-hmm. um, recently, back in September, there was an article from the Wall Street Journal that sort of uncovered that the Facebook company, which owns Instagram, has did, did some, uh, some internal research over the years and found that Instagram uh, negatively affects the mental health of uh, its users, particularly uh, young teenage girls when mm-hmm. it comes to body image, which is probably not all that surprising for us. But what was the, the uncovering of it, uh, what was, I guess, shocking for the world to see was that 
Instagram and Facebook knew about this, but yet has been tried to, to keep that quiet. Mm -hmm. uh, there's other research that shows that 40% that of elementary school mm -hmm. girls, 40% of girls and 25% of elementary school boys want to be thinner. So it's not just teens, it's even mm -hmm. at a younger age. Mm -hmm. So much so that 80% uh, of 10 year olds have a fear mm -hmm. of growing up to be fat. Yeah. It's a big deal, right? It's a big deal. And it's not just even, you know, teens or kids, because what happens is those people grow up to be adults and 80% right. of women, 34% of men are dissatisfied with their bodies. Mm -hmm. um, so it is a pervasive issue across all different age groups and demographics within our culture. And so, mm -hmm. um, you know, I'm not sure if you're seeing some of those same things in the, the counseling office and the, the other mm -hmm. parents that you interact with, but I don't know what that's yeah. been like for you to see. Um, absolutely. I mean, I think the the um, what you said about the eighty percent of ten year olds are afraid of being fat. I think um, that's a major red flag, and um, we can point to just what our culture has made it. How first of all, fat has become a bad word, um, and uh, has such a negative connotation. And I think just you know, we, it would be really interesting to just ask kids that age, like what they even, what they mean when they say that. Um, but it's, it's concerning because um, our, our culture is so embedded in diet culture that it's everywhere, right? It's on the billboards, it's in the, it's in the movies, it's in the books that our kids read, it's in the, the way that we talk, it's in how the parents are talking. We, we see health as um, what we physically look like. And so if you are thin, then you are healthy, um, I think is uh, kind of where we've landed as a society. And um, at least now, I don't think that's what it was, you know, 100 years ago, but um, thin equals healthy. And what's so sad about that is that we all have different bodies and different body types, right? And some of us are born into... Um, thinner bodies and some of us have larger bodies. And so one thing that I say um, to my kids a lot is we all have different bodies. Some of us are in larger bodies. Some of us are in smaller bodies, but um, all bodies are good bodies. And um, so you have the girl, right? The 10-year-old the girl who's maybe has a larger body. That's just got how God created her body to be more athletic built or whatever it might be. And she is going to kill herself to not eat as much as she can, to be as thin as she can when her body was never meant to look like that. But she wants her body to look like that because that's what our culture says is beautiful and important. And um, and so it's 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 just devastating, really, when you think about that. Yeah. Um, it, it seems like it's closely tied to even just identity. And so you know, mm -hmm. we have a certain body image. People look at their body and they think about their body in a certain way. But then now we've attached... Uh, a deeper meaning to that. So now there's a uh, there's a value to that. To, mm -hmm. to um, their body can either degrade or enhance their value of how they look yeah. at themselves or how other people would view them. Um, it you know it has to do with all those things about love and acceptance mm -hmm. and um, and all those things. So I mean there's a, there's an identity that we're that we're attaching to those certain body mm -hmm. types and body shapes and weights and things right. like that. Well, yeah, and I think too, as a culture that we, um, it's like acceptable to comment on people's bodies. Like it's, 
you know, if you lose weight as an adult, all your friends are praising you for, oh, you look so good. Oh, you look, and it's the praising comes around the thinner you are. Um, and if you have gained weight or, you know, remained a normal weight, um, then that praise doesn't happen. And that happens, the kids see that. The kids see us doing that as parents. They see us doing that as um, as as friends. And so that's when that I think that connection starts to happen. Oh, when I look this way, then um, people notice and I am praised for that. Um, and so I would love to see a shift of just let's not comment on people's bodies ever. Like, why do that? What's the point, you know? Yeah. And so that uh, is something that I've tried to change in my in my own life um, of how I comment on my own body and and how I comment and, and just really trying to stop commenting on other people's bodies um, and praise them for who they are on the inside, you know, yeah. the heart. And I think for most people, you know, when they're making a comment like that, I mean, they don't, they don't mean to come off that way. I right. mean, it's like, you know, they're not trying to attach the, an identity to certain those things. Or, you know, now that you have attained this weight, you, now, you, now you're now you good. Now you're a good person. Right. And um, I think oftentimes the heart behind it is to acknowledge the, uh, I guess, the, the effort or, you know, if someone has some sort of goal or something mm-hmm. in mind and they're trying to, you know, encourage them in, in whatever they were trying to pursue in that. Yeah. Um, but what I hear you saying is that e- even in our attempt to be encouragement and then try to, you know, spur someone along, that sometimes the, w- the way that our hearts can sometimes turn some of those things, just because I guess there's a brokenness within us that, that we, we struggle with that, right? We take that, like, yeah. that good encouragement and somehow say, okay, well, now, mm-hmm. you know, there, there's a positive reinforcement for me to do right. this thing, which means I need to go get more of that. And then it starts to develop into some of some negative, uh, right. some behaviors that are not, um, that are not helpful for yeah. us spiritually or physically or mentally in all those different areas. Right. Yeah. So it's like, you know, I, if I, I am important, if I am noticed, if I am beautiful, if, and we start to attach how we look physically to complete that sentence. Um, and it starts as young as young people. And what's sad is that as adults, we're the ones that are modeling that, but we're so immersed in diet culture ourselves that we we don't even recognize the impact that that's happening. And, and so first we have to do that work as adults um, ourselves, so that then we can pass that down, right, to the, the next generation. Yeah, so what do you think diet, how, how does diet culture show up in an everyday life for, mm-hmm. for many of us? How do you see it show up? Um, well, you know, I think I would, I think the counter question to that would be, how do we not see it show up? Um, I mean, you can just think of uh, every, uh, the way that we talk about our body, the way that we talk about food. So for example, one thing that I've thought about as we've done this series, Table Talk, um, when we're talking about um, coming to the table together and enjoying food and using it as an opportunity to celebrate and to have people in our home and to, you know, even share the gospel, to invite our, our neighbor friends over. I just kept thinking, um, if my myself five years ago, I would have been very much so trying to engage with the people at the table, but I also would be scanning the table, looking at the food, assessing what food in my mind is good food, what's the bad food, what food is okay for me to eat, what food's not okay for me to eat, how much calories might this have, or whatever diet I may have um, 
mindset I may have at that time? Um, where does that fit into kind of my plan? And it takes away from my mind is so um, consumed with with the food and how it impacts my physical body and what I want that to look and feel like that I'm not able to fully engage with the people around me, right? And so I become nine, you know, ninety percent focused on the food and ten percent focused on the people. And so I think a good indicator. Of, of being immersed in, immersed in diet culture is asking ourselves, how much are we thinking about food on a daily basis? And if you are thinking about food a lot, then that's a good indicator that um, there's something going on there, um, right? Because I don't think that's how God intended it to be. Yeah, absolutely. Um, well, and I think about even how, you know, we, we can, within our culture, in our own minds, I guess, we, we can attach good or bad to a certain um, body type or weight or mm. size or whatever. Mm. Um, then we also do the same thing with food, as you mentioned, right? We sort of mm. categorize food as in good food and bad food. And I see it showing up as in like, oh, well, I, mm. I ate bad yesterday mm. or I ate bad earlier today. And so now I'm going to be good for this meal. And so I'm going to have whatever's in the good category. I'm going to have a salad for lunch because mm. I had a bad breakfast. Um, and so it starts, we attach these like moral labels to not just our bodies, but even the food that we eat. And the, mm-hmm. so there's sort of feeds in that same cycle that like, all right, this food is good or bad, which then is going to make my body become good or bad, which then I'm finding my identity and my acceptance right. and all those things. And then it starts to really yeah. spiral. Right? Cause then it goes, right. It goes from, okay, my body is good or bad based on how it looks to I am good or bad. I am a good person if I'm eating healthy, if I'm exercising, if if my body is kind of morphing into what culture deems as acceptable. And so it goes beyond just our bodies, right? It goes it goes to I am this person. Um, and then that gets exasperated with the the comments that people make to kind of, um, you know, continue to praise that. And again, it's not, it's not, it's so ingrained in us that it's, um, it takes intentionality. It takes focus. It takes purpose to start to unravel that and to ask yourself the hard questions. And I think part of what comes with that is a, is, is a grief, is a doing some grieving work, um, loss work on that may mean that, I am stopping to strive to have a certain body, which may mean that my body wasn't made to look like that. So there's a term you've heard me talk about it, um, thin privilege. I don't, heard me. I don't know if I've heard you talk about that. No. Oh, yeah. So, um, so you could Google that and come up with stuff, but thin privilege, maybe don't Google that. I'll just tell you. <laughs> thin privilege is um, people that are naturally born into a thin body so they can eat whatever they want and they're going to continue to have a thigh gap. Like it's just how their body, how their body was. Now in the inside, they might be about to have a heart attack, who knows, but um, on the outside, they, their body is just made to be thin. That's just what it, that's what it looks like. Right. And then other, others of us are, you know, have larger body types or um, more athletic builds or whatever that might be. We're taller, broader, you know, and all of that is good too. Um, but we, when we strive to have a certain body type that we aren't made to have, then um, we, uh, 
we have to do some kind of restriction. We have to do some kind of forcing ourselves to get there by counting our food, by counting macros, by counting calories, by doing all these things. Um, and instead of just embracing how God made our body, eating well, I'm not talking about, you know, going and eating hamburgers every day. I'm like, eat well, eat what your body, how your body feels good. Um, what charges you up, which gives you energy, move your body, exercise it, you know, all these things, right? Um, but it, but then we grieve the body that we want to have that we weren't meant to have. Um, in order for me to have a thigh gap, I have to eat only lettuce and vegetables and fruit every day, which I tried at certain points in my life. Um, and I got praised for that and it felt good in the moment. And then I woke up one day and I was like, Oh my gosh, like I have restricted so many different things from I'm not I'm no longer enjoying food. I'm thinking about food 90% of the day about what's going to keep me looking like this. And so when I decided to make a shift and to do some recovery work for myself, then that looked like grieving grieving that and being like I'm not going to have a thigh gap. Like it's not how God created me and that is okay. And that is still beautiful and that is still, you know, I'm still taking care care of my body, even if I don't look like this. Mm-hmm. That was a really long explanation. No, that was great. That was really great. <laughs> I mean, I read a, a statistic that said um, of seventy uh, percent of women who have uh, a, a normal body weight, you know, considered like the I guess the median or mm-hmm. you know median body weight, seventy uh, percent still want to be went to weigh less. So I mean, yeah. even when, kind of what you're saying is recognizing that like this is. This is this is with considered a, a medically normal body weight, but yet I'm I'm still unhappy, and so mm-hmm. I have to strive to have something different. Um, yeah, yeah. So what is you know we said you know food is not necessarily good or bad. You know we can't label it in those categories, but yet there is a there is a goodness to food. We've talked about that within like this mm-hmm. this series that like food has a purpose, has a God honoring purpose. Mm-hmm. And so in your mind, what what is that purpose? Yeah. Well, Ryan, um, you could answer this question too. Um, I mean, I think that the the purpose is that God gave it. Well, right, when we look at just the beginning, God created all things. And so God created food. God created um, the things that make the food. God, God created it all, right? And so um, it is meant to be enjoyed. Um, we are meant, to, I think, to be satisfied by food. It is meant to fuel our bodies and to give our bodies what we need to get through each day. Excuse me. And, you know, I think a lot of what of our diet culture has done is it has said, this is how many calories you need in order to look like this. And um, which causes us again, right, to focus on it. I think food is meant to just be a part of our day, but not something that rules our day or rules our thoughts. It's meant to be something that we you know, celebrate with people like what we've talked about um, in this series that we um, that we use to celebrate and enjoy people. Um, what would you add to that? I mean, I, yeah, all those things. I would. The only thing I would even take that step further is mm-hmm. it is it is meant to direct our hearts towards God, right? And so, yeah. just like so many other things in life, it's a good thing that is. Um, sustains our body. We're supposed to enjoy it. And all those mm-hmm. enjoyment and sustenance and provision and gratitude is ultimately meant to direct, be directed towards God himself. And so mm-hmm. um, like, like anything else, when we focus on that thing that's supposed to aid in our worship of God, that's yeah. idolatry. Is that we're no longer worshiping God. We're worshiping that 
that thing. Mm -hmm. And so whether that is, um, you know, you know what we're talking about, just an overemphasis mm-hmm. on food, that is, that's a form of idolatry is we're taking this thing that God has created to help us to mm-hmm. worship him in different ways. And now we're worshiping that yeah. thing. And mm-hmm. because it's ultimately serving our body, which idolatry is always mm-hmm. uh, in its end is about worshiping ourselves. You know, it's taking something, worshiping right. that thing because of how it makes us feel, what it does for us. It completes right. our identity in that. And right. so... Um, the, the, the quest, the journey, you know, that you're talking about to view food differently is almost like to view food with a gospel lens, right? I mean, you explain like mm-hmm. the, the, the storyline of the gospel and how food fits into there that you have, uh, food is, it's part of God's good creation, but yet mm-hmm. because of the brokenness within our own hearts, we twist those things and we find, mm-hmm. uh, our identity in that. And then we, um, you know, we idolize that food, we idolize mm-hmm. our own bodies instead of worshiping God. But the answer to that is to have this reorientation, this redefinition of food and our view of self that finds our identity, not in how we look, but in what Christ has done for us and who he's created us to be. We don't mm-hmm. find our acceptance in how other people view us or view our bodies. We find our acceptance in Christ alone, that knowing that God in his grace loves and accepts us for um, right. because because Jesus was good for us, not because we try to perform in some certain way. Mm-hmm. Um, so I guess you win. I, that answer is better than mine. No, no. I mean, <laughs> <laughs> so, it was. So what is it? I mean, what, what's the vision? I mean, like for you, if you were to think about like how to view food rightly, like how do you do that? Like how what how, how do you view food with a gospel lens on a daily daily basis? Like on a meal mm-hmm. by meal? Like what's that? What's that really look like in your mind? Mm-hmm. Well, I think it looks like doing a lot of interpersonal work. Um, I think it looks like examining our own um, thoughts and feelings around food, around our body, around um, even how we view other people's bodies, around <clears throat> comparison and how we compare ourselves to other people. I think it looks like um, repenting of those wrong motives. I think it looks like educating ourselves on um, what it looks like to maybe heal our relationship from food. Um, for me, that has looked like um, just learning what it looks like to eat intuitively. And so learning to kind of clue cue back into my body instead of eating when I'm told to eat or um, in eating what I'm, you know, told to eat, um, being able to just kind of cue back in and be like, okay, um, God, you gave me my stomach and my stomach tells me when I'm hungry. Let me honor my stomach when it's hungry and eat. And let me ask my body in that moment, what, what, um, what would feel good for me to eat right now? Um, what's going to help me feel and fuel me through the day and not attaching, again, kind of what we talked about earlier, right? Like um, like worth to that or um, a label to that. And, um, and I think that opens up the opportunity to learn to enjoy food again. And then the same thing, right? Learning to cue back into my body, okay, I'm full. Um, God gave us these bodies. They tell us when we need to eat and when we're full. Like when we think about that, like how amazing is it, right, that God made our bodies? But we're so detached from our bodies that we we have forgotten how to do that. 
Um, and so for me, that's part of what it has looked like for me is just kind of cueing back in, learning how to um, intuitively kind of uh, think about food and, and, and my body and put those things back together. And then, again, doing some of that grief work of um, redefining beautiful, redefining acceptance, redefining um, health. I think health is yeah. Anyway, it's a whole nother podcast, but, um, redefining health. Um, does that, is that answering your question a little yeah, bit? Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. Okay. Yeah. I mean, I think one of the things um, I hear you say often, or at least you're asking yourself or asking me, you know, for whose, whose glory yeah. and for what goal, you know, what, what mm-hmm. end with that. And so, uh, I don't know when you're to asking that end, question, to what, what, what end and to whose glory? Yeah. What do you mean by yeah. that? To what end and to whose glory, right? And we can kind of ask ourselves that question for many things yeah, in life. Yeah, not just food. It could be anything, yeah. Yeah, it could be anything in life. Um, but to whose end, to what end and to whose glory am I um, focusing this much on food? To what end and to whose glory is my is my goal this, to obtain this physique or to obtain this goal? Is it to glorify God? Is it? possibly to glorify myself? Is it possibly to, um, you know, who, who is getting the glory with these, with these efforts? And what I have found, and I'm not saying this is everyone's experience, but that when, um, I am, um, kind of overly focused on my body, the glory kind of becomes for myself. Um, and, um, what I want it to look like versus just treating my body well and feeling it well. Um, so it's a good check-in. It is question, I, right? I mean, because it's a, it's a it's a it's an idolatry question, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, it's I mean, it's like whose glory? I mean, is it God's glory or is it my glory? I mean, you know, what am I ultimately worshiping here? And the mm-hmm. challenge about whenever you're dealing with idolatry, whether it's in your own heart or someone else's heart, you're trying to help mm-hmm. walk someone through there. Uh, we fight for those things, right? Like we, there's something that bristles within us whenever mm-hmm. something or someone, uh, even if it's ourselves, is going after an idol within our own heart, right? Because that's something that we hold as precious, and so okay. it's even hard to even ask ourselves that question sometimes because um, yeah. we have a tendency to to twist that answer. Well, you know, I think ultimately I'm glorifying God because mm-hmm. of this, 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 and we can. We can justify our, our sin because we're, we're masters at it. I mean, I, I've heard a, a pastor say that there is no one in your life who has deceived you more than yourself. Mm. Um, and I find that's, that's probably true for, for myself, yeah. at least, you know, like that, that. Um, that within our own, own hearts that we can deceive ourselves and mm-hmm. um, try to find some way out of it. So, again, I think it's helpful to have community. Yeah. I mean, have people around us that um, can kind of press in on, on some of those things and encourage us. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it's the other thing challenge. I was going to say is that a wise, wise woman once told me that um, our we are only as healthy as our view of God is accurate. And so, right, if our view of God is that He is angry or disappointed in us, you know, and we and I think a lot of us again attach that to how we eat or how we move our bodies. God's disappointed in me that I didn't follow through with my plan or I didn't do X, Y, and Z today. And he, we, you know, we see him, you know, we experience him as this God, right? That's like shaking his finger at us. Um, well, it will be really hard for us to be emotionally, physically, spiritually, mentally healthy if that's our view of God. And so our view of that more accurate view of God, um, which, you know, we find in the Bible, right, is his arms are wide open and he accepts and loves us as we are. Um, unconditionally all the time. And so when we embrace God in, in that light, then we're able to 
I think, focus more on our own, um, or I guess, you know, we, we, we can be healthier emotionally, physically, mentally. Um, so we are only as healthy as our view of God is accurate. Um, I think that speaks to lots of areas of life, but yep. can come into this as well. All right. So let's maybe circle back around to talk about social media. Cause we began by talking about mm-hmm. the impact mm-hmm. of social media on body image. Yeah. Um, so Social media is not going to go away. Um, I don't think we have to say, "Oh man, you need to get off social media." You know, have an outright ban for everyone. That's the only. That's the only way to, to keep your wits about you. Um, but how? You know, what would you say to somebody who is struggling with social media, whether or not it's you know trying to limit some social media, or even like, what is your mindset as you're as you're scrolling through something like an Instagram? You know, how would you uh, mm-hmm. encourage someone as if that is a place for them where they are? I don't know. Those things are just bubbling up for them. Mm-hmm. Well, you know, this is kind of a soapbox for me, so I had to <laughs> like think that through. Um, oh, man, it's so complicated, right? It's so, so complicated. I think research would show that, particularly for adolescents, that... Um, well, depression, anxiety, eating disorders, all of those are on the increase um, since I, I did a, a, a talk about this, 2009, uh, kind of when social media started, that um, the numbers for for those um, mental illnesses have been, have, you know, raised quite a bit. So that that that's evidence right there that we need to pay attention to that. Um, one thing that I I have done personally, and that I encourage my clients to do, is um, I mean certainly doing a detox of social media, getting off of it completely could be helpful. But I know that that's not necessarily the answer for some, and it hasn't even been for myself. I'm still on social media. I enjoy keeping up with people, and it's how I you know see what different friends from that I don't don't live here are doing. Um, but I no longer follow people that um, um, maybe have triggered me in my own recovery or um, or uh, talk a lot about their bodies or post things about their diets or um, even, you know, just different um, very food-related posts, things that I just noticed made me feel worse instead of better. So I encourage clients first to kind of like – go through and do a clean out. Like, okay, what are, what are the people that are kind of coming up on a frequent basis that are triggering to you? And um, and then maybe follow people that give a different spin to that. And so health at every size, intuitive eating, kind of that kind of, um, that's not always 100% either, but you have to be careful. But um, that just gives a different message, kind of more of a radical view of what our culture, you know, views as, as healthy. Um, helps you kind of in, understand that a little bit better. Um, and so again, right, what is the purpose? What is the goal of social media and how do you, how is it um, helping you or how is it hurting you is always a good question to ask, um, especially for, well, not just adolescents, all of us really. Yeah, everyone. <laughs> and I think it's helpful to even have some of those conversations with kids. I mean, knowing that oh, yeah. be, you know, social media, particularly Instagram, I mean, they Facebook even knows that this is mm-hmm. an issue for um, for adolescents, especially uh, young young girls. And so uh, and if you have young kids that are on social media, do, to begin dialoguing about some of those things and seeking mm-hmm. to help them 
redefined food, you know, uh, in a way that uh, that is a more gospel mm-hmm. perspective, you know. So, I mean, trying to discover that for yourself, but then also trying to do that within your own home. And I know that's something that we've we've talked about w- with our kids of like, mm-hmm. we, we've struggled. I mean, like, because we're, we're learning some of that language ourselves about how, you know, mm-hmm. what, what is healthy food versus unhealthy food, you know, mm-hmm. or good food versus bad food. Okay, so what is a helpful way to talk about that with our kids, you know? Hey. Oh, you know, eating, eating this kind of food is bad because it's got lots of sugar. Okay, now let's talk about that. No, that, that can be a good thing, right? And you can have that sort of thing in moderation. Now, it's not something mm-hmm. that you'd want to have tons and tons and tons of just because that's not going to fuel or and feed our body the way that God wanted us to, but it's something that we can enjoy in moderation. And mm-hmm. so trying to redefine some of those things for ourselves and then trying to pass those on to our kids. And um, yeah. It's yeah. hard. It's it hard, hard, really hard to do. And we we've, we've, haven't always agreed about how to do that, right? <laughs> And um, I think we're, yeah, and like we have a daughter who's about to be 11, you know, she's becoming more aware of her body and um, it's just, it's hard. It's, it's, it is complicated. Like it is complicated, Um, but it is, if we can, um, I think just continue to ask ourselves those hard questions um, to do some of that interpersonal work ourselves, so that we um, can kind of be more aware of our language and how that may impact other people around us or our children, then I think we're headed in the right direction. Absolutely. And I think mm-hmm. that's, that's, you know, this is just sort of a, a rabbit trail off of the, the table series, but that's yeah. really what we're trying to get to with this series is let's talk about all this, all this within a gospel context of how can we gather around the table with people where food is not the focus and even the, the relationships aren't the focus. Ultimately, our focus is on, on God, but we want to have that community that's going to help us to do that. We want to draw people in and welcome them around this table and it be a picture of the gospel. And we can enjoy this food as a picture of the gospel. Um, so, cool. Yeah, 100%. All right. Well, thanks for joining me on the, the podcast. You. Well, you're welcome. Yeah, Ryan it was great to be able to hang out again. I, I guess great. I'll see you later. I will. I will see you later. All right. <laughs> Thank you guys so much for listening today. I hope this conversation was helpful. If you want to watch the video of this podcast or share it with a friend, you can find it at clearcreekresources.org, where you can also find articles, music, and a lot more. Again, I'm Rachel. Thanks so much for joining us today. Thank you.